If you're thinking about starting a podcast, let us tell you about Anchor. First off, it's free, and you can record and edit your show through your computer or phone, or import your show from whatever recording software you already use. Anchor will then distribute your show for you so it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And probably the best part, you can start making money with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to start a podcast from start to finish in one place, and it was a super easy switch for us. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Shiloh, and I'm here with... Dr. Scott. Welcome back, folks. So we are jumping into episode six today, and um, hey, did you want to welcome anyone? You got anything for the week you want to talk about? Anything exciting? Uh, Wait, what? Um... <laughs> I don't know. There's nothing. <laughs> don't feel pressure. Uh, well, no, wait. I, for, let me, full disclosure, I uh, over the Thanksgiving break... Um, as you know, I went to New York with friends. <clears throat> oh, wait. Everyone knows because I posted that you were drinking fancy drinks. Oh, right. And oh, I was standing God, on the bridge in the middle of the night yeah, talking were, a jumper down. You were doing the, the hard so work. But what I did do was pick up a, a head cold. So I am flying. I'm telling you, that over-the-counter severe cold and flu stuff, that might as well be crack. I, or I'm, I mean, I'm a lightweight completely, but I'm a little busy right now. There's two drops of rain in Los Angeles, and we're both like... <clears throat> <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I'm just completely acclimated to Los Angeles. <laughs> <clears throat> so I apologize. I'll probably be like coughing. That's all right. I'll throughout. talk for you today. Um, but what else? Is anything else going on? We have we have one thing that we can't disclose yet, which is really oh, cool. Do you have to talk with your lips not moving when you say uh, that? Yes. <laughs> um, but we'll That's it'll it'll reveal in a little while, and it's it's really cool. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, so in our episode today, we're going to talk about incels Yikes. and where we are in the field in terms of relating it to violence and threat assessment and also just psychological explanations because it's such a new yeah, I mean, term and phenomenon. I think that's, you're going to have to back up and, and give a, a, a good definition because yeah. although, you know, the research that I was doing in media, I didn't realize that. Criminal Minds had done an episode on oh, incels they did? because they do an episode on everything. on everything. They've been on for a gazillion years. I know, but um, well, I don't think that means it's it's coming to the vernacular. So we have to we have to explain that it's a portmanteau. Absolutely. Um, I feel like I'm really late to the game on this term, and t- I want to know when you sort of became aware of it because you threw it out there when we were having dinner one night with Jen Haley. The writer from Mindhunter. Right. Um, and I was like, wait, why am I not clued into this? And I kind of went home and did a little bit of my own research and thought, oh, that thing. Well, it was so. it was new to me. And I can't. Let me just say that I had my first full blown, like having to immerse myself in that world because of my my day job. Gotcha. You know, we had to investigate. um 
uh, a phenomenon of that sort. Okay. And without going into, you know, pro- you know, protecting confidentiality and, and identity stuff, and we won't go there. But what, what I did was go down the rabbit hole with the um, emergency outreach bureau as we were going through not only the person who had been referred to us, but like the websites and there's multiple websites and anyway, we're getting away from it. What does incel mean? Okay. Um, so I want to back up, just do a little bit of history. So originally in 1993, internet, computers, web forums are pretty new, right? Uh, a college student at Carleton University in Ottawa by the name of Alana, a woman, she built a simple all-text website that was called Alana's Involuntary Celibacy Project. So she designed this as essentially a safe space of inclusiveness for people who were feeling and experiencing the things that she was feeling and experiencing and talk about their struggles of not being sexually active when the rest of the college community felt like they were. Right. So after a few years of founding this project, um, she was celibate, but she, you know, gradually became more confident, eventually um, started dating. Um, She ended up, I I think her first relationship after that was with a woman, um, realized she was bisexual and just, you know, kind of had her sexual awakening later and, and eventually turned the website over to someone else. So... She never looked back. She um, The website evolved into, you know, essentially what are sort of several forums and websites and arenas online, including 4chan and incels.me for this community that so, we're talking about. So going back, so the portmanteau there is involuntary celibate, celibate. so in-cell. Correct. So they this is a, a community that has adopted this self-descriptor as someone who is... Um, by no fault of their own, or sometimes they will uh, address some some part mm-hmm. of playing a role in this, that they are not able to engage in intimate relationships with a woman. There are actually some, some gay incels, but it's a very, very, very small percentage. And what I was going to ask you in your research about Alana, this is what I could not find, so maybe you did. Did you okay. get any indication of how rapidly it grew that that community, that online community, before she gave it over to this person, by the way, that she had never met right, in never real met life. Him. No. Yeah. Um, no, I don't. Okay. I don't know. And it, but we think you know, nineteen ninety three, all the way, all the way up to you know, we're just kind of hearing the term for the first time in media five years ago, four years ago. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of evolution that happened there, probably very underground, only online um, that we're just not aware of. So I, I think that would be pretty tough to track. Okay. But I don't have any information. It'd be, that would that. be fascinating to see how quickly it exploded or what the numbers were after she gave it over because what you were, were about to go into is that once it was given over to this other individual, it became something very different. Right. Right. So, yes, incels, just by definition, is involuntarily involuntarily celibate. Um, So this means that they have tried to have sex several times but have failed. And as you touched on, generally this is blamed on 
the people, the women, because this is, again, heterosexual males, um, that will not have sex with them. And they do actually blame it on certain characteristics of their own as well. So they, some of them, it's physical characteristics and some of them it's mental. So there's a subsection that calls themselves mental cells. And that's because they say they have some sort of quote unquote mental blockage, usually, you know, a a developmental disorder or social anxiety disorder that keeps them from being able to talk and interact with women. Um, There's height cells. They're not tall enough. Well, yeah, and you know, there's actually science to back that up as far as, I mean, choosing mates and partners. Yeah, exactly, like exactly. Sure. Um, wrist cells. So they believe that their bone structure is such that they have smaller wrists than the average male. And there's a lot of obsession over bone structure and um, feeling inferior to the alpha males that are so, out there due to body and bone structure. Okay, so they definitely go into this division, this very clear division between alpha and beta males. Right, and I'll, right. I'll, I'll definitely we're going to touch on all those archetypes that they have. Um, but it's interesting, you know, despite all of this, there's this huge sense of entitlement of... that's. That is some mental gymnastics right there, it, isn't it? It, it? it In so many ways, there's so many cognitive distortions going on here that just it, it's really hard to comprehend. But mental gymnastics is a great way to explain it because you sort of challenge this line of thinking and they've got an answer for that. It doesn't mean it's rational or realistic, but they've already got something and I think that's that going to tie into our discussion about possible diagnoses yeah. as well. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, for sure. Um, so this, this, but so here, what you're talking about, what I hear you saying then is that here are people that revel in this identification as a beta, as a, a sort of a secondary in the hierarchical power structure in society, in male society, that they are saying we are for, for organic or other reasons, we're secondary. Well, they they put themselves even below betas. They're a different category below betas. Oh, I didn't so realize that. Alpha, beta, and incel. Oh, okay. Yeah, Boy, there's I'm, three tiers. Okay, so but within that, I mean, what's interesting because when you see when you read in feminist literature about self loathing, my experience has not led me to where these guys have gone with it. They have done that mental gymnastics backflip with a perfect landing mm-hmm. into I'm a piece of crap and, and it's everybody else's fault yes. or it's my fault, but you need to, there's a sense of entitlement to it. That's just remarkable. Yeah, it doesn't usually it's remarkable. go with sort of that self-loathing, low self-esteem that we see with other people. Right. Um, people generally feel I'm not worthy of that and I'm not entitled to that when there's sort of that negative self-view line of thinking, this has that outlier of the entitlements there. Um, And I've been denied this whole time. So um, I want to go through, let's, let's just jump into some of the lingo just for definition purposes. And so we get an idea of how they um, interact and how they talk and what the labels mean. So I want to give just a, quick shout out to YouTuber ContraPoints for the excellent intellectual and very entertaining video on this topic. She just kills it. She's really clever and sort of weaving in her views, but also explaining this in a really um, 
great way to if you're if you're coming new into it that she gives a great uh, overview on this topic. Um, so let's go with the different tiers that we're talking about. The alpha male, um, the incels are going to refer to the male archetype, the alpha male as Chad and Chad's for the group of them. Chad is someone who has lots of sex. He talks to women with ease. Um, he has a sloped brow and a strong jawline and he just is, you know, the top cream of the crop of men physically and not necessarily super intellectual, but can go up to women and carry on conversations with them. So kind of naturally walks through the world with ease. Yes. So they pick, it's interesting. They pick a name that is almost like out of animal house. It's almost like a frat name from animal house, right? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. So Chad's counterpart, female counterpart, would be Stacy. Um, and Stacy is the buxom blonde that wears makeup and, um, you know, has a fake tan and only wants the best um, things in life. And she only has sex with the Chads. So she's kind of the, the alpha female that everyone covets to have sex with. So Chad's and Stacy's go very well together. Okay. Um, you have um, below them the betas or what they call the normies is your average guy and gal. The, um, the girl they call Becky. Um, and she, think of her, I don't know, kind of how I'm dressed. <laughs> like, you know, uh, black leggings, hooded sweatshirt, messy bun on her head. Um, probably, you know has some strong feminist views and a little bit annoying and, but guys aren't falling all over themselves, you know, as she walks by getting instant erections like they are with Stacy's. So they, they have Becky's and then there's also, there's not a name for it, but there's the normie male as well. Um, And that, that comes into play a little bit later with one of their cognitive distortions that we'll talk about as far as um, what role the normie man Plays well. I'm already wondering now, like, how significant is it that the normie male doesn't have uh, a name assigned to him? Ooh, da, 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 da. so insignificant, right? He doesn't so, even have a name. Oh, god, should we give him a name? So, what's, what would be equivalent to like a Becky for a guy, Scott? Maybe Scott or Bob. <laughs> no, Bob, because I know I know too many good Bobs. Um, <laughs> see, you can't start doing that, you just gotta go with your gut. Yeah, a Dan. No, not Dan. <laughs> um, okay, so so and then incels are bottom of the barrel, um, below average guys, right? As as you kind of pointed out already, and we talked about some other characteristics. Um, they also refer to women in all sorts of derogatory terms. It's horrific. It it really is. <laughs> it's horrific, um, and it's so interesting how. I've seen some interviewed on some shows and they'll say, well, we're just desensitized to it. That's just the way we talk. Um, and it's completely brushed off, but it, it's like that. And there's such a removal of humanization. But was there ever that there to begin with? I don't know. That's we'll yeah. come back to that. Okay. Okay. So they have some very, um, Again, dehumanizing and robotic names for women. They'll call them femoids. Right. Right? Um, or femoids, like like on the bionic woman, the fembots. Oh, fem- yes, fembots. 
Um, but there's the common, you know, slut, bitch, whore, you name it. And that's how they're referring to them as, as they're talking about them online. Which also is another cognitive distortion, mental gymnastics, where if, I mean, because you see these in a lot of um, postings online where uh, women have collected you know, off tender or, you know, these approaches that men have made them. So the man makes a, a you know, an approach that's pretty, pretty clod like, you know, yeah. not good. Or if it's even just sort of somewhat neutral or sends a dick pic or something and the woman responds back, not interested immediately, the guy mm-hmm. calls her a whore mm-hmm. immediately. Like, wait, which makes she, no sense. She just turned you down for sex and you're calling her a whore, yeah. it, which Mind blowing. So right. yeah, that's that's a real easy little excuse to say. Oh, I'm just I'm just immune to it. We're right, desensitized. we're desensitized. That's just how we talk. It's just locker room talk, yeah, right? Locker room. Well, yeah. Boys will be boys. <laughs> um, another interesting term is the term roasty. Have you heard that? Yeah. And you don't want to hear much about it, right? I'll be real quick. I, I you know what? It makes, I, I have to say, like, it, I remember when I was doing the research, it, it made me very sad. Yeah. So, uh, roasty would be how they refer to particularly Stacy's vulva because she's had so much repeated sex with all of these men that it now, um, sort of resembles roast beef down there because she's giving away all this sex and she's just, you know, so manhandled that it's now represented by a roast beef sandwich in some sense. But ironically, you know, if she chooses one of these incels and had sex with him over and over and over again, it wouldn't be the same thing. It's so weird. <laughs> it's only when she has sex with other guys multiple times. I, yeah, I just, the the level of detachment and lack of sort of insight and empathy just continues to astound me. But once again, I think there's a clinical reason for it. I think there's a clinical right. and an environmental reason that, that that individuals get to this point. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And the more that I dove into this, I thought, oh, I've seen a flavor of that before in a different population. Or I've seen exactly. something that feels similar to that. Um, so then there's this concept of the red pill. And I think this has been used in, in various different communities. Um, and of course, this is taken from the matrix, you know, getting to know the, the truth of the world by taking the red pill and knowing all about the matrix. Um, or you can, what is it? Take the blue pill instead the, the and not pill, know any Right. Better. The blue pill means that you stay in your sort of contrived illusion and you will, you, you choose to have no knowledge Correct. of what the real world looks like. If you take the red pill, then you actually see the supposedly the alternative real world. But now there's the additional layer, which is the The black black pill. pill. Right, right. So for for red pill, um, they believe, and this this is also stems from the larger umbrella of the men's rights movement of, it's essentially a theory or, or, or worldview of human sexuality that women by nature are hypergamous. So they get into relationships um, based on one's social status or attractiveness that's a level or so above what they are. And that's just what all women want and what all women are going to do. So incels believe, okay, there's equal amounts of 
men and women with the same attractiveness level and social status, that there should be an equal person for everyone and it should be distributed equally. Is this, are they also members of the flat earth society? Cause this is getting, <laughs> this is bordering on. Hang on. I'm okay. just getting going. Jeez. <laughs> so that, you know, ideally there would be a 10 for a 10 and there would be a five for a five and a one for a one. Right. So but Chad, those damn Stacey's, the Stacey's know, are right? messing the whole system up. Right. So Yes. Uh, well, actually, all women. They're saying all women are trying to go above their number. And so 20% of the men are getting all the women. And then there's these average guys and incels that are left with nothing. Well, I'm using air quotes when I'm saying getting, because what does getting mean? I mean, right. there's so even if it was just sex, I mean... Even if it was just getting for sex, they're still going to be what are you know? How to, I, I'm trying to rationalize don't, something don't. that makes no sense. I'm sorry. I'll, it's okay. And, and I'm coursing on cold and flu medicine. Right. So, <laughs> so they call it the eighty twenty rule, and basically twenty percent of the men are going to get all the women. Oh, for God's sake. Um. So, <laughs> it. How would you challenge that? You would say, well, okay, there's normal guys that get married and have relationships, and it's just not all Chads and Stacys, right? So the way that they would come back and say, oh, we got an answer for that, hang on, is the idea of the alpha fucks, beta fucks. And so that means that, yes, women in their 20s are going to have sex with all kinds of Chads, but then in our 30s, you know, she's going to settle down, find a financially stable guy, find a normie, and have that financial stability. And she's still going to continue to be a slut. She's going to be unfaithful, but she's going to turn out a couple kids with this normie. And then eventually, she is going to leave him, take the kids, and run off with a new Chad. So then these guys all have to pay alimony and child support and are sad and are left behind when they're Stacy's are off with Chad, finally. Okay. <laughs> I, I just I know, yeah. not much more. Um, the black pill. So the black pill is very incel-specific as well. And eventually, it's this mantra that you're going to be a virgin forever. Uh, happiness and relationships are completely unachievable and impossible. And the only option is to be at mercy of this. So blue pill, you stay in the delusion fantasy. Right. Red pill, you see the world as it is. Black black pill is gritty reality, sort of hopeless. Hopelessness. Hopelessness. um, But just that this is the reality. There is nothing better. This is the best I'm ever going to have. And where the when they are challenged with certain lines of thinking, that that then becomes part of the conspiracy or what? Like, of course you would tell me that. So they'll say like, "Oh, well, people tell me you should just be yourself." There's lots of average guys that get women, and they say, "Yeah, of course, of course you would tell me that." But if I'm just myself, then I'm just this pathetic loser that has you know tiny wrists, and uh, you know. A not strong jawline. Who am I ever going to get? And so it's this is all perpetuated on an online community of these cognitive distortions. You know, and I can't help but think that that as bad as it has gotten in those communities, that it's not made worse by the presence of people trolling. 
that there right. are some real sociopaths that are that, you know, sociopaths generally don't have self-loathing, but that like, oh, here's, here's a group of people that are malleable in this particular arena Sure. that I will, let me just fuck with them, which is just, I, I just know that's happening. I just know it. Oh yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. So, um, it, it, it's this, it's this perpetual cycle online and, um, they're posting about how they feel and people are saying, yep, you're right. You're a loser. So am I. And there's rampant suicidal ideation online with them. Um, but I, I thought maybe, you know, we could at least step in here and say, okay, what's sort of the psychological take? I would be interested to know, okay, what would we do if this person was presented in front of us as a client? Um, where, what would we start sort of grabbing at in the air as far as what does this seem like as far as diagnoses or how would we go about treating someone? So I have not had, I have not had a client that I would say meets the criteria or the, you know, this set of behaviors and, and sort of belief system that we're talking about right now, certainly have seen flavors of it. Mm -hmm. Um, however, I did consult with, um, interestingly enough, when I was looking for the article, um, that from Sage publishing, because for those of you who don't know, there's, there are these online databases that, you know, when you're in grad school, your school has, um, immediate subscriptions and you have immediate access to these very valuable journal articles, which of course, you don't have access to when you're on your own. A poor psychologist paying back your exactly. student loans. <laughs> paying back student loans. But I was able to, a friend of mine who collects those journals actually had a digital and, and sent it to me. And one of the things that she said was that she actually had an incel who had been coming to therapy um, for several months. And this is in the Midwest. Wow. But... Um, that it was more difficult than any pathology she had dealt with because it, it hit her on a number of levels. He was so angry and so much of the anger was focused on her because she was the easiest female target. I am so shocked to hear he was working with a female therapist. This is, this is part of the, the long, they're looking at the long goal. They're looking at the long road picture because it is about establishing more healthy relationships, reparenting and, and working through some of these things. And it does, it takes years. And, you know, there, I have colleagues that do full practices with borderline um, and, you know, access to issues that would exhaust me. I mean, oh, like I, I am, would not be capable of doing that, and I would not be the right pick for, for that population to do full-time. These people would not be able to do what I do oh, or what you do on, on a absolutely. daily basis, right? So we right. all have... How many times did we get that, like, side-eye, how can you work with sex offenders I know. And, like, and by that time, you and I, you know, we were gaining mastery in right. that area. I know that we bring our kind of snarkiness and our humor to this, but what I would want to say is that and there's some incels we're going to get into in a second that have done horrific things. Mm-hmm. They're still human. Oh, and absolutely. they they got there. There was a starting point somewhere. And they got to here where we, they made this decision. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I, and same, I mean, I I have very limited private practice and it's very specific. And I, I've never treated anyone that meets this criteria. But... I thought so much resonated with the work that we've done with online offenders 
and specifically those with a diagnosis of pedophilia, which is interesting because it's that's so different. Research tells us now that that is something in their hardwiring and something more akin to a sexual orientation. Whereas obviously this incel mantra mentality isn't that was watered and fed and grown somewhere. Right. So I'm still seeing like these cognitive distortions that are so strong and I got an answer for everything and you can challenge me with my belief and you maybe make a little headway in treatment, but guess what? They leave your office and then they go jump online and right. it unravels all of that work. Right. Because, and someone who, you know, was doing maybe object relations type work or even psycho, psychoanalytic work, even if they're not actually doing analysis with someone like this, would say that, yeah, I'm going to tolerate this anger long term because this person is doing reparative work. Because, and I mean, we, We've now lumped so many things into, you know, sort of personality disorder NOS. But, you know, we used to have a depressive disorder, depressive personality disorder or self-defeating personality disorder. Remember, that was like, I think, 15 years ago. Now, if, if, you know, if we were, this is almost like that. It's like self-loathing personality disorder, except that there's a constellation of factors and behaviors and the online reinforcement. And stay with me here. Is that, look, we all want to have a sense of mastery of something in our lives. We want to sit. It may not be fun and it may not be pleasurable, but it's comfortable. So if you sit in self-loathing and you sit in hate and anger, then it's like, oh, and I'm not the only one. I shared this with these guys all over the world. Mm -hmm. That is transformative in a very bad way. Right. Right. That's what I think is going on. I mean, I think that there may be just ballparking it here. There's some lack of empathy stuff. There's certainly a factor of having less empathy, which, uh, and and especially in some of the examples you're going to give, I really wonder if there's something going on on the autism spectrum, mm-hmm. like what we mm-hmm. would call Asperger's very, very high functioning, but really not getting emotions. Right. And not right. being able and having no distress tolerance whatsoever for social interactions. Is that what you found? So let me just address a couple of avenues first that one might pursue in treatment. Um, so it, this would be someone that you would want to validate their frustration. The frustration is a real thing, yeah. right? Um, it, it's not necessarily a delusion or false belief, even though some of the other background stuff might feel that way. But if they are having a difficult time relating to people and not sexually active, and the rest of the world is sort of getting on in, um, you know, healthy, uh, appropriate ways, then yeah, of or, course that's going to be frustrating. Let, let's just say this. They, the belief is that everybody else is out doing the, the beast with two backs and they aren't, right? <laughs> right. Isn't that it? That's like, that's part yeah, of it. That ev- yeah. Yeah. And that it's coming uh, pretty easy for people. So, so yes, validating their frustrations initially would be something I think that would go a long way in helping build rapport. Um, when you're first starting out in treatment with them. Um, but then I think providing some psychoeducation to the person about what locus of control is. 
that's a we have not covered that concept, have we? Okay, no, I that's don't great. think we have. It's great. It's a basic one that, like, yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm well, rambling on here. When we so. talk about locus of control, we talk about there's an internal locus of control versus an external locus of control. Locus meaning center or um, where even, it stems from. Exactly. So if your locus of control is internal, it means that you feel like you have a sense of facility and a sense of mastery over aspects of your life. Basically, you're the captain of your soul making your own destiny, right? Within reason versus the external locus of control where someone takes, I mean, almost what we would say a victim mentality, like things are done to me. I have no control over my environment. I don't have control over the factors in my life. Therefore, I'm just like a pinball in the, in the cosmic pinball machine, just being bounced back and forth. There's no efficacy on my part. Right. And And generally people have fall on one end of the spectrum or the other. Right. Um, I mean, for God's sake, you can Google locus of control quiz and take one and see kind of generally, are you more internal or external? Do things happen to you or do you make things happen? Right. Um, so to, to provide some education on this to the potential incel client would be one area to go. But then also focus on, okay, what are your strengths? What are areas in which you control in your life? And and sort of hone in on those and start little by little building on those strengths. Um, hopefully trying to shift at least some locus of control to internal. But again, it's just, it's exploration. And these are very preliminary suggestions as well. Um, But then getting them to process enough where they're able to recognize their own role in the process of rejection, however difficult that that may be. Because rejection hurts. It's awful. Yeah. And it's unavoidable. It's unavoidable. And yes, more men have to put up with it than women. Um, but it it's very common. And if they're using self-rejection issues and projecting them onto external sources, it, you really want to shift them back to say, okay, what, what piece of this are you responsible for? Are, do you not have great communication skills? Um, do you just have not a lot of experience with female? You know, just there's all different areas where you can go. But there's so much anger embedded in this line of thinking that that is also another facet that needs to be addressed. And we're seeing it as directed outward. But a lot of mental health professionals are saying you really have to look at that it's a reflection of the anger that they hate themselves, right. and the loathing yeah. that's there. So to to sort of, and that's where they bond a lot of the time online as well. So a, a hopelessness is something you need to definitely attack and address, but also realize, okay, that's a touchstone of the black pill theory. So right. it's going to be really, really... And, and now it's also, if, if hopelessness has been integrated into your identity, this is who we are. We don't have hope. So you're going to have to do some, basically some foundation work, go in there and route that pillar yeah. out and replace it with something else. That's really difficult work oh, in the therapy room. long term. Yeah. 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 And, and yet. No, no, no. Yeah. But I was, I was just going to make a comment about constantly being aware of uh, suicide risk as well, because with the extreme hopelessness and the internal anger, 
um, and it, it, it almost agreeing with, yes, this is never going to get better. Um, there is a lot of suicidal ideation and it, it's also kind of tossed around flippantly as well. You know, they, they have these images and terms that they call suey fuel, suicide fuel, where it's, you know, there might be a picture of looks like sort of a first person point of view where you walk into a party and everyone turns around and looks at you and gives you a disgusted look. That's how they feel like they're going through life all the time, that all the oh. Chads and Stacys are turning around and just looking at them like that. And so they might throw out these memes that they call suey fuel. Well, my mind goes all over the place on this because immediately what came up for me is folie adieu, which is a shared delusion and the idea that that by creating a, a type of meme, the suey fuel, you're planting seeds. Right. You know, so someone who may be lost and looking for an identity and they hook on to this one and like, oh, this so this is who I am and this is the way the world sees me. Now I have an understanding. It's like, no. No, no, no. That that's actually not accurate. But you're you're hooking on to the easiest target. I throughout this, I teeter back and forth between such anger for them and such sadness of how yeah. sad this is. Um, I I just can't imagine. You know, if if I had a son who was you know, turning into this or dealing with something like this, how heartbreaking and awful. It would be helpless as as a parent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's go into some high-profile incidents that were um, associated with violence. And when the shooting in Isla Vista happened in 2014 involving Elliot Roger, of course that was high-profile, of course from a, a criminal behaviorist and um, true crime standpoint, I looked at that case, you know, a, a bit, but I don't know why the term incel just kind of slipped past me, you know, when I, when I was saying that I just kind of came to terms with this term recently. Well, the incel wasn't the heavy hitter in that narrative, the heavy, the, the mass murder. True. You know, the shooting. True. I mean, that, that's what it was. And it, then then other things continue to reveal themselves, which was, you know, his manifesto and mm-hmm. and um, then the history behind all this stuff. But you didn't really have – so a, a five-letter word that doesn't register in your vernacular true. Um, totally makes true. sense. I didn't, re- I didn't remember it then. I just – all I was right. thinking like, boy, this guy – is really distorted. Like you could watch his, that tape is like, wow, he really like, there's almost some body dysmorphia going on I because agree. he really didn't have an accurate view of what he looked like. It, you know, I'm glad because he, he said looked that. like a Chad. I, I think so too. Total pretty boy. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm glad you said body dysmorphia because that is one of those little light bulbs that goes off. You know, there's kind of all these little things that are fluttering as far as, you know, diagnoses that you think about with them. And, and what if those are the gateway? Like, what if the, like, if, if this sort of incel movement, this identity, um, constellation, they're just thousands of different avenues that can get you there. Right. As we become more of a polarized and online society where you're disinhibited and the the an anonymity of the of your online community allows you to become like you were saying earlier of that interview that become more and more desensitized right right and you're you're isolated 
so Elliot Roger, he was a 22-year-old University of Santa Barbara student who, in 2014, killed six people and injured 14 others before taking his own mm. life. Um, he had, in Santa Barbara. In Santa Barbara. Um, <laughs> so he had shot people. He had run them down with his car. Um, and he had previously that day, as part of his sort of master plan that he had laid out, um, went to a sorority house and he was going to shoot a bunch of the women that lived in the sorority house. But good for them. They didn't open the door to him and they didn't let him in. So his plan was foiled um, and he ended up just out on the streets around the university instead, picking off Chad's and Stacy's. So there's in the podcast, the Getting Off podcast it's by two attorneys who discuss true crime uh, stories. They're kind of the attorney version of us. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, they have a great biographical episode on him. I'm not going to go into all that. They dive deep into his manifesto and his background. Um, but you might want to, if, if you want more information specifically on Elliot Roger, they do an entire episode dedicated to that on their podcast. But Yes, I, I remember him as that sort of pretty boy, smug guy who uploaded this long-winded video about how he couldn't get laid and his day of retribution and um, how he was so entitled and that cars and money and wealth and the right watches and his looks and clothes wasn't ever enough. Um, Speaking, I mean, and that that bears some weight in this as well. This was the son of a very successful um, Hollywood, I think of a director, director or producer, okay. um, going to a very expensive school yep. in a very expensive city. Yep. This guy did have everything and he was, you know, just aesthetically, he was very attractive. Sure. I mean, this guy like had facial symmetry and he's, you know, all his pictures, his selfies are, he's wearing expensive clothes. He's in an There's expensive car. There's lots of selfies, by a the way. A lot of selfies. So ding, 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 mm-hmm. narcissism. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Yes. Right. <laughs> Laid on about as thick as it could be. Yeah. But yes, so he, he did have access to all of that. And so I really think that's why the incel community looks up to him, not just because he did something and did took a stance and did something about it. But if anyone had a chance, he had a chance. And he still was... You know, turned down and rejected. And, okay. You know okay. What I mean? Yeah. No, no, no. You're getting now. I'm. Wow. I had not put that together because I know with the next case that you're going to talk about, um, Elliot has become sort of a martyr. Right. So he, 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 rec- re- he referred to himself in that video as a supreme gentleman. That's it. So that's, that's what it. they all now revere him as, as the supreme gentleman. Um, so, Elliot Roger had been diagnosed previously with Asperger's and then pervasive developmental disorder, NOS. So, again, you know, kind of talking about some of the lack of empathy, the disconnect. Do you want to say a little bit more about how that might fit with the line of thinking that we're seeing? Yeah. So, when clinically, you're going to look at... um Asperger's at the very, very high end of the autism scale. It's very high functioning. Um, And in fact, I think we're moving, we're actually moving away from saying Asperger's. We're just saying spectrum disorder. Right. Because there's so many different 
points and permutations along that spectrum. But then some of the things that are particularly, if you go to the DSM and I'm going to pick up my DSM and use it because I paid a lot of money for it. It's kind of heavy, but um, yeah. So there are some essential features on the spectrum disorders. And one of the, the main, the main heavy hitters here is persistent impairment in reciprocal social communication and social social interaction. So the the key word there being reciprocal, like we're mirroring another individual's emotional experience, which again is something that we really take for granted. <clears throat> Excuse me. We take for granted throughout our day-to-day lives. So I want to be very clear here with a disclaimer that there is zero research to link any sort of autism disorder anywhere on the spectrum with violence. Um, I don't want people to think that that's what we're trying to infer here because we're not. We're we're trying to offer some explanation of diagnoses that these murderers have been diagnosed with in the past and saying, okay, what piece could sort of fit with disconnect or lack of empathy or some of the mindset of what we're seeing with these incels. Now, again, not all incels are going to meet a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's part of the point today is that we're really trying to just piece this together and say, where does this fit? But there, there isn't any research out there that links violence to absolutely. And and the same thing, when we look at psychosis, that's, it's like this, there is a, a correlation, but there's not, a cause as you can correlate anything. Right. And so right. the, and usually what's interesting is that I want to do kind of talking about an overlap. When we look at the rare incidences of violence in people with psychosis, there's almost always an additional comorbid factor, such as substance abuse. I mean that, that is, so there's, it, there's another thing that kicks it off. I think that's what we're kind of talking about here is that, if a per it's a this is a constellation of factors that come together that create this you know really toxic crucible that produces an individual like this so or it, it, that produces behaviors like this sure okay so the next incident I want to talk about is involving Chris Harper Mercer so he's the 26 year old who shot and killed nine people in 2015 at Umpqua Community College in Oregon, and this was the deadliest mass shooting in the state's history. He also killed himself at the end of the incident after being wounded by detectives who responded to the incident. And he also had a quote-unquote manifesto. I think that term gets thrown around so much these days. Um, However, he was posting online about being involuntarily celibate and um, some of his lines with aligning with, um, incels and the, that community. Um, he was sort of the guy that dressed in the pseudo military fatigues, talked about guns a lot. He lived with his mother, um, graduated from a private school for children with learning disabilities. And the only indication that he had possible diagnoses was his mother got online after this all happened and in defending him and talking about him, referred to him as, quote, an Asperger's kid. So it, that's not very definitive. It's not. That could no, be her saying, oh, this is my diagnosis. Um, so it, it, however, you know, it, it highlighting him is less about 
the diagnosis and more about the fact that he outwardly acted violently um, and had previously been involved in some of the incel communities online. Well, and what's the first thing that your diagnostic professor tells you when you start grad school? Um, don't go around diagnosing your friends and family and don't diagnose yourself. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, and, and, and I feel in, in incredible compassion for that mom, you know, trying to make meaning or trying to have some kind of understanding for what happened. But, you know, that goes into another conversation about how we pick certain members of the community when they do horrific things, we want to put a mental health diagnosis on it and we don't extend that courtesy to other members of the population, which is right. not appropriate at all. Oh gosh. It completely infuriated me that recently after the shooting here at the borderline bar in Thousand Oaks, that because he was a military vet, all of a sudden people were saying PTSD yeah. and I'm like, Whoa, Whoa. Yeah. let's back up. Hang on. I'm, I, I'm pretty sure that people that suffer from PTSD are more prone to injure themselves and other people. It just, it, boggles my mind. Once again, it's a set of factors. You know, it's, it's, this is a long evolutionary process. I mean, as, as I've talked before, that amazing social worker, Kevin Cameron in uh, Canada, who teaches workshops on this, his quote is the path to violence is an evolutionary process. No one ever snaps. Right. So I love that. Even though there's a TV show called snapped. Yeah. Okay. And then Betty Broderick was pushed. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Every husband should watch it. Um, So most recently in April of this year, 2018, we had the incident in Toronto. Mm -hmm. So this involved 25-year-old Alec Manassian, and he intentionally struck a number of people on a busy Toronto street with a rental van. So when you just hear that, what do you think? Well... Rental van? Come on. Rental van, people running into them, terrorists. Yeah, I mean, terrorist exactly. cells, right? Because there, there's been specific orders put out as oh, to... Oh, I'm sorry. I took it to a place like oh, the God. free candy van. I'm sorry. <laughs> Rapist van? Yeah, the rape van. God, what is wrong what with us? What is wrong with How you? did we ever manage to find partners that would oh, marry us? Oh, my God. It was before we became like this. We <laughs> trapped them early. Jeez. Um, so he killed... 10 people um, and attempted to kill 13 others. Um, He was arrested uninjured. Thank goodness. He tried suicide by cop, um, but they weren't falling for it and were able to take him alive. Um, But the victims were predominantly women. He had released a Facebook message just prior to the incident saying, the incel rebellion has already begun. We will overthrow all the Chads and Stacys. All hail the Supreme Gentleman, Elliot Roger. I'm so creeped out by the title Supreme Gentleman. It's Isn't almost it like weird? it's very weird and archaic. And it also has that tone of toxic that, masculinity. <laughs> well, that weird guy that will try and flirt with a woman by using gentlemanly language and saying, Milady. You know the the you know that yes. thing that's like no that doesn't ever work that's never ever worked not even for people who are into Renaissance fairs it doesn't work but, or like Chris Angel fans <laughs> is he still around I don't know I think so yeah it does have a very weird title like he should be wearing a, a top hat or milady oh um, 
if the information we have so far, I mean, there's not much. Obviously, this just happened a matter of months ago. Uh, maybe you have some that you can add to it. But former classmates described him as being socially awkward. Um, it, again, total speculation. They believe that maybe he suffered from sort of social or mental disability. Um, he consistently would rub his head or his hands, but he was an IT expert and an app developer. I mean, again, you were talking about intelligence. Um, you know, this is someone that was intelligent. And then you had some other people that were like, uh, eh, didn't seem weird to me. So there's just all kinds of reports that are all over the board so far with him. Um, but I, I, I think it's very interesting that it was a very concise, message that sort of hit all the points in cell rebellion chad's and stacy's and hailing and, elliot roger and did you see his did you did you talk about his facebook post um well that the quote that i read was from that was there something else you wanted to well hit on from so that? he called himself private recruit oh okay talk so about he that. posted as um private recruit miss manassian infantry zero 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 one zero wishing to speak to sergeant Chan, please um, so that was the online forum. Uh, the incel rebellion has already begun. We will overthrow all the Chads and Stacy's all su- hailed the Supreme gentleman, Elliot Roger. So all throughout that message, there's decoding that goes on each one of those points of that has, he is sending out a dog whistle sure. to everybody. I'm going to make a big move. Everybody needs to follow me. And he's going to take his, you know, as you were saying, he's going to give himself an out in right. that he's going to have the cops kill him. Mm-hmm. Great police work that they didn't oh, do that. Wonderful de-escalation and restraint. Good yeah, job. Yeah, We're really, going to be able to learn so much, hopefully. Yeah. So he refers to his view of himself by calling him an incel, by making a, a, you know an attempt at a derogatory um, terms of women and men that he feels you know hold a higher um, place in society than him. Because this is all about an attempt to reclaim what is supposed to be entitled power. Right. I'm supposed to be able to have this as well. You've taken it away from me. You've kept me from achieving my goal. So I'm going to punish you. I'm going to punish you. Right. And I'm going to make you kill me so that I don't have to have any consequences for it. Okay. I'm going to move into the area of just kind of explaining a couple things as far as threat assessment, because once I dove into this, of course, I was like, what research is being done out there? Who can I call to yeah. say, what do you got? So I, I want to kind of take people through that a little bit. I think this will end up being a bit of where we wrap up. Um, but in the study of threat assessment, which is really trying to predict violent behavior and looking at who's at highest risk for violent behavior. Oh, you pulled up pictures of Chad and the incel, huh? Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, <laughs> they even go so far as to... Um, draw identifying um sort of animations or cartoons of themselves so right. um the the um incel is engages in what's called the virgin walk and they have sort of like an emo looking cartoon a guy in jeans and um slender you know dark hair dark glasses dark long sleeve shirt slumped shoulders as he walks and then there's the chad strider who is just sort of like cartoonishly muscular um, and actually, what's fascinating to me, even about the way these things are drawn, is one, there's more detail that goes into the incel, and then Chad is almost drawn as if 
almost like Johnny Bravo. Do you remember yeah, Johnny Bravo yeah. cartoon? Right. Sort of hyper masculinity to a point of buffoonery. Yes. Yeah. So it's, I know it's that one looks almost more ridiculous. Yeah. Right? Like this is what I want to be, but I'm going to make fun of it. Yes. Because I can't achieve that. So in the world of threat assessment, there's this idea that people, I'm sorry, that people who pose a risk um, of violence are either hunters or howlers. And the howler is someone that he or she will make threats, will try to get attention, try to frighten people to get revenge or feel like they are um, making, they've been wronged in some sense and they want to um, make a stink about that. Um Howlers want to be seen and heard, but they don't necessarily want to harm anyone. They just kind of want to make a big fuss about it. Um, instead, they want to sort of, I mean, think about it, kind of control their victim's emotional state. So make them fear them. So maybe some online threats. Whereas hunters, they do want to strike and possibly harm or kill their victim. Um, so they will lie in stealth. They will avoid getting noticed until they strike out against the person in violence. So they, they do attend, intend violence, uh, but they're not trying to gain attention. They're doing it very stealth-like. So those are hunters, and then there's howlers. And generally, within the, the violence threat assessment community, people fall into one of those two categories. And howlers never become hunters, and hunters never become howlers because they their intentions are totally different. It's interesting because I think incels have flavors of both. And I don't know that I can really think of any other subculture or group in this field that has that. So if you think of like um, terrorists, right? So a terrorist cell would be definitely hunters. They have propaganda. They let everyone know what they're doing. They might um, try to get their message out. But they'll plan in stealth and then strike when they think it's going to be most deadly. Um, whereas the stalker that just wants to really rattle that woman at work that turned him down will do creepy things, leave messages, notes on her car, or and call and hang up. And that's a howler. Okay. He's just fucking with her to rattle her. But he doesn't want to harm her or anything like that. Just wants to, you know... Freak her out. Yeah, that's there's no harm there. I'm not gonna I'm not <laughs> right. gonna physically harm right. you. I'm just gonna drive it, you insane. And it, it, I should make it clear, it's all about the intent. I think there are stalkers who do want to physically harm their victims, and yeah, they might leave a note or you know call on the phone and give some threat, but their intent is usually to hurt or harm or kill. So. Wow. So I, I just find it interesting that incels kind of fit both um, in that we are seeing some that are acting out violently. Um, so I reached out to someone that I know at the FBI's Behavioral Analysis Unit and said, hey, what are you guys doing with this? <laughs> Send me everything, right? Um, and there wasn't much. He says that there is a, a cadre back in Quantico that's looking into this. Um and he sent me a study that it's it's available online. It's a it's a report put out by the FBI. It's called the Study of Pre-Attack Behaviors of Active Shooters. Wow. Um, and it's a sample of 63 active shooter cases between the year 2000 and 2013 where they break it down and look at risk factors. Um, 
There are a couple things that were interesting. Uh, really, the only stressor that applied to more than half of the sample was mental health. And it didn't mean that there had to be a diagnosis. It was pretty loose and vague. It could be that people saw disturbances in them before it happened. Um, only one active shooter was diagnosed with an autism spectrum disorder. Um, one, Another one had a developmental disorder. But there was nothing across the board of diagnoses that okay. it sort of honed in on any significant uh, specific population. Um, but 13% of the shooters in the sample were found to suffer from sexual frustration, which they defined as pronounced and ongoing inability to establish a desired sexual relationship. So, um, and this ranged from, <clears throat> excuse me, this ranged from school shooters to um, active shooters in their, you know, 50s, 60s. So wow. huge age range. Uh, not a huge sample, but again, we're talking about a pretty rare occurrence and it was just went up to 2013. So a couple more interesting points out of the study that I thought just felt like it fit with the incel community um, or could be related to some of their traits is that all of these individuals in the, the 63 shootings that were looked at had some sort of grievance um, and the grievance was some sort of distress or resentment, and they found that the perception was not necessarily based in reality, but they feel like they've been wronged or treated fair, unfairly or inappropriately. Um, they they went on to define this as it's more of a tip more than a typical feeling of resentment or passing anger. The grievance is often often results in a grossly distorted preoccupation with a sense of injustice, like an injury that fails to heal. And I just thought that was yeah, that's pretty great. intense. Um, nearly half of the active shooters had some sort of suicidal ideation or had engaged in suicide related behaviors at some point prior to the attacks. Over half of the active shooters participated in. Leaking intent to commit violence. So leaking is what we say when they, in passing, tell someone or leak information in online rantings or writings. Is that intentional? Is it like, uh, I want to get caught? Or is it part of a bravado? What do you think? Well, we see that when we look at just suicidal behavior in general, we see there's a majority of them, if we, in retrospect, go back and look... People who attempt suicide have told someone about it or written about it, and they get written off so many times or not taken seriously. So I, I don't know what it's about, but I know we, we see it with people who enact violence inward towards themselves. Right. So it, it may be just something similar um, with someone who commits violence towards others. I, I, I'm interested in that now because I know when we're assessing for suicidality, you always want to look at is, is there a history, history of gestures? So, and gesturing meaning that there's ambivalent in, uh, intent. There's ideation, which means you're thinking about it. You're considering the implications, but there may be, but the gesture is not like a fully formed plan right. with actual life threatening. I mean, you could, there are plenty of people who have, been um, who have accidentally killed themselves while they were practicing a gesture. Right. You know, that happens right. a lot. But I'm wondering if there's sort of a crossover here that this is a, 
Oh, Jill Loomis, Dr. Jill Loomis. We were, I was really great therapist over, um, on the West side in LA. And she used a great term when we were talking about, um, a situation. She said that clients send up, um, flares. Okay. Like they'll really reveal information like that because they want you to notice, they want you to latch onto that, but it's indirect. It's like, I'm not so throwing the, catch it. you have to catch it or you have to notice where it's exploding in the sky. So I wonder if it's something like this is like these guys I are sending so. out a flare. I think so. And then lastly, in 30% of the cases included in the study, the active shooter created prior to the attack, what's called a legacy token. And so that's, something like a manifesto or a video that's uploaded, um, social media postings, something that is deliberately communicated. So this is definitely like, I'm pushing the send button now. I want everyone to see this before I go do this. So legacy token, that's really a glorified term. But but aside from the FBI's behavioral analysis unit, I reached out to a couple of doctors that are the leading experts in risk assessment and threat management and assessment. And they said there's virtually no research out there. There is no research being done on incels right now um, that they knew of. Um, But it's a wide open area. You know, it's kind of interesting and exciting, I think, for psychology. I hope someone's doing something. I do too. Um, But again, a difficult population to research. Um, especially if we're looking at even the smaller sample that does act out violently because a lot of them as active shooters do take their own lives or get killed in the process. Um, so, I mean, I'm really like pinholing this down into behaviors that they possibly could be capable of. But, um, yeah, I think it's a wide open area for research, which is well, to tie And to tie this back to what you were speaking of earlier in regards to potential inroads to treatment, the idea of these individuals are so isolated. So how do you get to them? And how do you crack open that world when gaining a sense of mastery or moving outside of their comfort zone and where they have been in this really an echo chamber, a real echo chamber of, you know, toxic beliefs and, and, and systems of thought, you know, breaking that down is going to be very different difficult. It makes me think of the, um, the phenomena in Japan. I know we've referred to this a couple of times before the Hikikomori and that that's a generation of men who basically, you know, have retreated from life and they live in their parent, live in their bedroom in their parents' apartment and haven't left the building, you know, in 20 years because they just live their life completely online and they, they don't have relationships other than these sort of fantasy relationships with online people that may or may not be who they say they are. Sure. Um, well, and I'm just so fascinated, you know, with your therapist friend in the Midwest who's treating an incel how does someone like that come to the attention of, you know, needing therapy services? And I, I'm just, that's what I was saying before. It just shocks me that they would self-refer and, or how would they become, you know, become onto our radar? Um, so we, we can't study what we don't know is out there or what's not causing a problem. For those of you that are interested in um, reading more about this, there's some really great articles. There's actually, and I don't always say this about Psychology Today, but I think Psychology Today did a really great 
um, condensation article on some main points about it. Alex Manassian um, has a lot of articles on him. Interestingly enough, there's not a lot of articles on Manassian that go in depth into his background as much as Elliot Roger. I mean, there's a lot of media out there about, about, um, Elliot's background. He wrote so much about it in his manifesto, which do we believe it? I mean, you take it with a grain of salt, but absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, but it's, it's an interesting perspective and we'll get in. We got another manifesto coming up in another episode. Yes, we do. But I would also highly recommend, um, and I don't want to go too much into it right now, but there is a wonderful article. Just uh, it's on a, a website called Quillat for women writers, and it's called "I Was a Female Incel." And what I like about this article is that um, it's tough to read. It's a tough read, and it's very worth it. It's very thorough because you actually see the progression the healthy progression of someone who bought into this ideology and was affected by factors of her own mental health, um, including severe depression. And we really didn't touch on depression, but depression is a really big factor. Uh, and like the, like I'm saying gateway drug, what I was saying before, it's, it's a gateway, (laughs) it's a pathway to this, um, subculture, but this writer fell into it. And I mean, really lived the life um, as a female incel and then came out. And what was the, what was the thing that transformed her life was a relationship, getting into a healthy relationship and slowly moving out and, you know, finding a therapist that worked for her and, you know, a combination of medications. And it's really amazing because the way she wraps the article up is showing sort of giving an idea of her looking back on where she was mentally and emotionally at that time. And it feels alien to her, you know, that, that she's just no longer there. I love that. I like to it get too. That, all that information yeah. for someone who's been there and back. And I, here's the thing. There may very well be men who have made a similar journey towards if for lack of a better term, uh, towards recovery right. in this, but we're probably not going to hear about them because they're out there living a, yeah. a happy life. Right. A normie. They're a normie know, now. They're a normie. And how does she refer to herself? Like a recovering incel or incel and no, remission? No, she just, she just she says it in that? the past tense. I was okay. a female incel. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Really interesting. And what's that website again? Quillet. Okay. I'll, like I'll put a, a link. Yeah, up let's do on that. We should, we'll link to the article. It's really good. Right. Um, so, uh, guys, thanks for tuning in and downloading and all that lovely stuff. Um, we've got a follow up to this episode. We do. We have a, a fantastic follow up to this. And I. I think I want to wait until we start the next episode to kind of talk about how that all came to be, um, because I can remember a very specific point in time when it popped into my head and I knew we had to sort of touch these two subjects together. But this has been just so interesting for me, and I feel like this is probably one of the topics that I knew the least amount about and really dove into over a period of time. Um, so this one's been really fun and I feel like I am not done with this. I don't know what I'm going to do with this topic in the future. I think we need to go deeper. I think we need to, to come back to it. Yeah. I I think we need to do that here. I think I might do some stuff 
you know, oh, and work wise okay. um, with this or just educate myself as much as possible and see what I can uh, be involved in in the future. Um, but it's it's a great, interesting topic that sort of touches on on everything. But to be continued um, as far as the second phase and where we're going to take it in the next episode. And other than that, uh, we're slowing down a little bit because of the holidays. And I'm going to be out of the country for a couple of weeks um, for Christmas and New Year's. So we're going to crank out a couple more for you. And then we'll get started again after the first of the year. Um, but we just want to say how appreciative we are of all the people that have started listening lately. It blows our minds. It's still. pretty great. <laughs> um, and it's it's awesome. So we love interacting with you guys in any way that we can. Please let us know if there's things you'd like to know about. Sometimes it's just so obvious to us and it might not pop up on our radar until we find something we're interested in, but we'd love to hear your ideas. Okay, well, we will catch you guys next time on LA. Not so. Confidential. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.